0: Welcome to RSN's Racing Pulse.
3: Imperatrix called upon, still three lengths in front, and the Tangerine Tsunami's going to do it again. Imperatrix won it well. Without a fight, runs on, lays in on top of Gold Trip. West Wind blows 100 to go. Without a fight, coming at it. Without a fight, West Wind blows their heads in unison. Without a fight, without a fight for the Caulfield Cup. Romantic warrior Mr. Brightside, still alligator blood. Mr. Brightside coming at it for the
0: the breaking racing news, the stories, opinion, the mail, and the people who make racing happen. Here's Michael Felgate.
1: Good morning and welcome to Racing Pulse on this Monday, the 13th of November, as we look back and reflect on what was a fabulous four days of the Melbourne Cup Carnival. The Carnival's not over, of course. We've got the Thousand Guineas, the newly reshaped Thousand Guineas meeting at Caulfield with the Group 1 Rupert Clark as well. Which we will also look forward to because we've got a man who thinks he can win the Group One on the weekend joining us <laughs> live in the studio. I speak of Hong Kong
4: Hutchie, Clint Hutchison. How are you, Hutch? Yeah, I'm very well, thanks. What a week! Uh, just a fantastic week. I loved all the colour shots that we saw across the various platforms, and they were back in uh, back in force. The crowd having mm. a good time, and um, it wasn't. It was tough for the punters, but yep. I think. For the uh, for the average race goer, they would have had a fantastic week.
1: Two hundred and sixty two thousand people over the four days, Matty, and I think the general vibe and feeling is that it was a super successful carnival. And after a couple of really tough years, I think the the general consensus is that the racing industry as a whole is is looking up outside
0: of the racing bubble, which is most important. Yeah, I, I, th- I think that was the feeling, wasn't it? That racing stood up to whatever. Its detractors were, or whatever the whatever the the, um, uh, the factors against racing were. I think um, the crowds marched in. They 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 afforded the um, the price of going to the races this spring. I mean, the crowds were they weren't spectacular. They were solid during Cup Week, um, but I think the you know I, I thought oh, I'm happy to be wrong. I actually thought they would. Decrease because of the cost of living, the cost of going, the ease of sitting at home on our phones. I thought all of those things would probably mount up, and it would be a sobering spring carnival. But I think the weather really kicked in, um, and I think the crowds. You know, we had that ridiculous display at the um, Flemington and Kensington Bowls Club from the, the the far right end of the anti-racing argument with that stupid protest and all that. But um and I think that they, those protesters, have probably become.
1: Their own worst enemy, Hutch. People are sick to death of the woke crowd yeah. trying to be so um, superior. Yeah. And I It was mean, more
0: the venom of what was said. Yeah, well,
1: it was yeah. disgusting. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, I'd like to see something taken further with that. I mean, you shouldn't be able to spew that ridiculous um, hate um, publicly without any repercussions but even we spoke about it briefly and, and not, I, I said the herald sun's done something on it today just like the clickbait grab after the melbourne cup of three horses pulled up sore i mean it's just ludicrous and i think yeah. it's,
4: it's pushed people the other way well the are elements of it that you know you're not going to stop i suppose so but yeah look, the numbers the, the people attending i mean what i took from it the week i mean melbourne you know, gets behind this race so well. We had mm. international visitors. They were having a ball. The vibe around Melbourne was as good as ever. And it's unfortunate probably that more of the positives aren't uh, driven home. But, hey, um, I think for most people they would have had a blast and be more than happy to go back again.
0: I think the me- the balance of, of runners, local and international, and s- formerly international but now absorbed into local stables where they're a bit familiar, I think... We probably hit the right mark with international participation in the melbourne cup but it was heading to a, a, a sort of like more internationals than than locals and i think that that contributed to the detachment of of the community from the melbourne cup a little bit that happened in recent years so i think the balance is right i think you know a, a high class international that's been absorbed into a well-known stable with australian form without a fight the perfect winner that we could relate to high class horse um, we look forward to his future bouncing off them. He's not like one of those old Melbourne Cup winners. You just go, well, that'll be the last time he wins. So, um <laughs> Well, it's become a very good race. You've got to be a top liner to
4: win it. Um, and that is what has evolved over time. And, you know, he's a superstar. I mean, that mm. win last week was unbelievable. The ride was equally... Sensational. So, yeah, you've got to... Have, I mean, there's a lot of them there that have placed... Well, and there has been over many, many years, you know, targeting the race, getting the right sort of handicap. But it seems like more and more are doing it. But you still got to have the animal. you still got to have a top-class animal, whereas probably in, you know, you go back a couple of decades, a handicapper would have won it. Well, now you've got to have a genuine group one star.
0: And I think the favourite... I I think what happened in the end was he sort of kind of melted a bit, but um, the Willie Muller, I've already forgotten his name, the the, the Faux Band, I think... um,
4: Did you forget them quick, Matt.
0: Oh, well, that's right. Uh, (laughs) Well, they disappear quick, don't they? They do. (laughs) Well, I won't forget without a fight quick, will I? No. Um, But I think everyone got a bit carried away. Like, it was interesting talking to Ollie afterwards, and Ollie said, you know what? I wasn't really scared of Vovan, You know, everyone got a bit carried away. That was a weak race at Royal Ascot. It was the weak the race of the week at Royal Ascot almost. And so I think we learned a lesson of uh, how to really assess, you know, um, the, well, the form of the international. Well, I, I think he had the right form. I think
4: what it shows for mine is that how hard it is to come and win it. Mm. Yeah. Um, you have to you know, you have to travel well, you have to cop it. I mean, and literally the travel, a lot of them don't take it. The stablemate ran really well with excuses, mm. I felt, absurd. And Vauban, for whatever reason, you know, close enough to that really strong tempo. Or But he was beaten a long way from home, so it was more
0: than, I think, just the sort of way the race was run. I reckon the day got to him, it was humid. It was, there was a, the biggest crowd he raced in front of, probably, because he started to... By the time he'd got to the behind the barriers you could tell that was getting to them. He was just starting to break out in the code. I think Jane even may have mentioned that. And then if you're in the top six or seven on that speed, you were cooked. Yeah. You were dead set cooked. So but he still ran way down the track. So
1: and, and I think the I suppose the evolved new final day of Champions Day has worked wonderfully well in just yep. two years. It it really does end well. On a high, the carnival, it's got the pillars now which you can look forward to the final day where the best take on the best and and Saturday was another great reflection of that. Some of the results, not what the punters would have wanted, maybe the race shape, the wind, um, but the storylines themselves were absolutely phenomenal on Saturday again.
4: Well, we had just fantastic horses and Paratris has probably been the story of the spring. um, What she's done, you had bright side, alligator blood, and Fangirl lining up. Mm. Now, they took that sort of headlines leading in, not certainly coming out. But, yeah, you mentioned about the elements, and that was one of the big factors of the, the four days, I suppose. And three of them, we had really significant patterns, which I think had a had a big impact on the way, on the results. But mm. you've still got to be good enough to win it. And I think the track was fine. It was more so, you know, we got these very the strong wind. wins that um, really
0: affected the results. And I wonder whether they're even in the, the Declan Bates scenario where they, they factored that in again because the wind was the same acor- according to those who know about wind. Yeah, the southerly. Yeah, the same wind as when she yeah. dominated on Derby Day. And I think Karen Marr and they probably said, you know what, everything's the same again. Let's do <laughs> the same again. And well, that form stood up through a tissue as well. So maybe there's a bit and of And
4: Amelia's Jewel, of course, who yeah. at the time a number were sort of going, well, mm. she's only really beaten, you know. Mm. And maybe chasing down and beating prior to Jenny is cooked a meal. Well, it might have them. taken yeah. a bit out of her. She was flat
0: at her next run, mm, wasn't
4: she? Mm. But then, you because know... Because just had no history, of history
0: proved that it's a hard thing to do with yeah. what Pride of Jenny did afterwards,
4: so... But, and that's the other thing to take from Cup Week, too. The amount of horses that backed up and ran really well, I think, you know, we, we see it, and punters love it as well, but so many of them that
0: backed up... Mostly mares, though. A tissue, Pride of Jenny, I think that's but, important. But they were all it. out of the brutally run um, Empire
1: Rose, mm. which has become the form race of the carnival, there's no doubt about it, because you had Foxy Free to come out and win on Oaks Day, Deny Knowledge on Saturday, a Tissue, uh,
0: and, of course, Pride of Jenny again. It was interesting, though, because one of the commentators was saying, well, aha, I think it was Simo on social media, said, well, that goes to show you should be able to back him up, but there was an interesting discussion with Sam Kavanagh and a few others. It's no coincidence that the mayors are backing up, because they produced their own... Um, Steroid, natural steroid The geldings don't get the recovery tools That the mayors get So that was pointed out during that discussion There's
1: so many highlights from the jockey point of view um, But it would be hard to argue That maybe uh, two of the best rides Over the four days of the carnival Went to the one man And that of course is Declan Bates On Pride of Jenny
3: Then came Fangirl down the centre of the course, Pride of Jenny starting to paddle at the 200 metres, she's a length and a half in front of Alligator Blood, but she's fighting Pride of Jenny, she's still clear from Alligator Blood, and Mr Brightside... of jenny this has been spectacular and pride of jenny won again from mr brightside
1: alligator absolutely spectacular it was history repeating on saturday and for declan bates two of the most thrilling front-running rides you would see the former irish jumps jockey who came out to australia for a better life uh, finds himself winning two of the biggest races on the carnival at flemington he joins us this morning good morning deck congratulations
5: morning guys uh, thank you very much yeah it yes. is uh, some week you still pinching yourself yeah yeah i think so yeah i'm not sure it's still fully settled in but um um yeah it's been a, been a whirlwind week dick we were just
0: talking about how all the condi- the conditions were identical uh, the saturday from saturday to saturday uh, with the swirling wind and so on and i know you were always going to probably ride to the same pattern as the first day but was the wind kind of an, an, a factor in your advantage on both occasions? I know it's intangible and hard to sort of prove, but the, the conditions were pretty much identical both days.
5: Yeah, no, hundred percent. I think that did um, play into our hands. Um, just, just the stars aligned both days. That everything was favouring sort of, it really favoured sort of front runners. I think rode there on tuesday and thursday as well and and it was it was probably a bit more of a run on days whereas both saturdays just happened to be um nice conditions to be out in front so um like i said the stars really aligned for her
4: and declan um the stars may have aligned but you still got to be good enough to win and that's the other the other factor and she's tough
5: absolutely yeah like like you said you do have to stars align but you, you certainly have to be good enough and with that style of racing, you need a, a very good horse to pull it off. I think um, you could you could do those tactics on a, a lot of very good horses, and you'd be you'd probably get to the 400 meter mark, and you'd be you'd be paddling. But she she certainly gets that extra 200 metre she's, she's she's certainly getting a bit tired that last 200. But she she's done enough to to put them away at that stage. So um, she's just a very good horse, I think.
0: Those prodigy boys have got the good ones have got big engines, haven't they? We saw mare as well, and and so on. Uh, has she become more physically and mentally mature? We spoke to Kieran Ma at the Sydney Easter Sale and she ran a monster race. I think it might have been Fangirl that knocked her off. I can't remember who it was in Sydney, but she ran an absolutely monster race in Sydney and he said she's capable of doing that once every preparation and then she she probably doesn't repeat it necessarily, but she's repeated it probably three times in a row if you include the, um, the Amelia's Jewel Run at Mooney Valley.
5: Yeah, exactly. I think it's just that she's she's more mature now, she, physically and mentally, maybe. like um, She's, she's so, shown flashes of it in the past, but probably never been as consistent, whereas this prep, like you said, she's really strung a few together now. And she's much more relaxed within herself, even pre-race. We used to have to get Pony to the start and everything like that, but now I'm able, the last two starts now I've, I've left. Left the pony off, and that's allowed me to just canter to the start, which I think is important for her. She gives; she's a big mare. She likes that big warm up, gets her muscles warmed up, and she goes into the gates a bit more relaxed. And the last two starts now, she began nicely out the gates, and I think that's very important on a on a horse that you're you're rolling forward on. If they if they step well, you're sort of straight into that nice rhythm where once or twice she can be a bit slowly away, and then you kind of have to just just almost set her a bit too much alight just to just to make sure you don't get crossed. Whereas you know, both Saturdays she, she stepped nice and clean and I was almost just straight into that nice rhythm on her straight away and, yeah, it worked, come off nicely.
4: It looked, excellent if anything, that the backup really suited her. I mean, I thought through the first three or four hundred of that race on the weekend that you were kind of, you know, she wasn't too keen. She wasn't wanting to get on with it. As you mentioned, her her mannerism sort of going down to the start and that edge taken off her, it seemed to suit her a lot and that Probably the first three or four hundred, you 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 know, you managed to. I wouldn't say get a, a cheaper run, but she was beautifully relaxed before you. Want decided to to ramp it up.
5: Yeah, exactly, um, and that, I do think that was important on the second day that she she's probably done it in that manner. Um, like you said, she just come out nicely without without sort of full steam underneath me initially, like she can do, and I think that that really that really worked nicely because that gave me the confidence to. Almost from the thousand meter mark to really let her, really let her stride on and stretch them, and because um, I was confident she'd be able, able to sustain it, and um, which not many can do, but she can. Just your story, Declan. Uh, what what year do you recall? What year you arrived and what the what the story was there? Yeah, twenty fifteen. I arrived out here um, with my now wife. We come together. Um, like I'd spent, I'd rode in Ireland. I'd spent a couple of years in England and it was going okay, like riding winners but probably not not setting the world alight. And I had been out to Australia once or twice on the junk Jockey tour and then I'd been out to a a wedding chain Jackson would be a good friend of mine from home. We came out for his wedding and he'd put it in my put it in my head a few times that I should be out here. You he thought I'd I would do well out here and eventually I decided to give it a bit of a crack thinking we might come for six months, travel around a bit, work a bit and head back home. But um yeah, it just worked out nicely, so we haven't we haven't left since.
0: And it's taken you until now to really hit the big time, but you've you've probably given yourself more opportunities, or there have been more opportunities here than in England. Archie Alexander and a lot of others have been supporters, but is this the big step? Is this the big moment this this last week to take you into a different echelon, do you hope?
5: Oh, you'd hope so, but look I've in the game long enough now it's still you know that the big names are still going to be getting most of the big rides but i, I think i've certainly done myself any harm to, to put my name forward for better rides going forward but you know i'm under no illusions that i'm gonna i'm gonna be suddenly getting getting calls every week for the for the big names but i'll just keep doing what i'm doing which is you know focus keep keep working hard and you know i'm writing for good people and you know the, a lot of people that have been very good to me for a long time now. Like you mentioned, Archie and obviously riding Tony's horses has been a well, that's been a game changer for me getting on getting on his horses. So um, yeah, for sure, hope hopefully we be, we can build on it.
0: Week week in, week out, what's how do you compare riding here to riding over there? Like what's the what are the fundamental similarities and differences
5: to in a week to week sense? Um, in a week to week sense it's 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 similar as in you know, I think whenever on comparison, we always mentioned tempo as in as in a big difference, and that did take me quite a while when I come over to adapt to that. We're very, you got to be sharp at the gates to get that position you want here, and then they they do tend to steady mid race and, and go again. That's not always the case, of course, but um, a lot of the time it is, and it probably it probably took me a good year maybe riding here before I felt like I'd really started to adapt well, and then each year I've been here, I feel I've i've um i've improved and i think having the background my background here helps too because it's not always important to ride the australian way i think sometimes having that that irish background that style helps with a lot too and maybe even with pride of jenny that that style suits her because it's more of just a flowing rhythm Um so i think i've got a good balance now where i can i've got a good good niche on almost both styles and i can just ride the horse that I'm riding how, whatever suits them. If they're a, something with a short sprint, I think I can adapt to that. Whereas um, something that probably suits more of a bowling style, I can adapt to. So I think I'm here probably eight years now, and I think I've only the last couple of years i I feel like I've got a got my head around it and in a in a good balance between between how I ride between both styles really.
0: Did you have a chat to Jamie Spencer at any stage on the weekend about adaption, adaptation adaptation?
5: No, I, I didn't really know he, um No, I'll leave him to it. He's a uh, no look. He's a he's, he's a great jockey. I love watching him riding back home. And um, he had a tough week, I think. But no, that's that's, that's Flemington.
1: I think there's a lot of Aussie punters who love watching him riding back home uh, as well. <laughs> Not Thanks so much here. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what, uh, we can know. We'll, we'll <laughs> dissect that a little later uh, that, raid, uh, that race Hey deck, congratulations mate It's been an unbelievable carnal for you And uh, uh, You went to Hamilton and had five rides On Friday, uh, you rode a winner there So um, now you're a multiple group one Jockey, are you going to be a little bit more Choosy in where you ride or is it just going to be Head down and grind it out
5: Yeah well I think I have been A bit more choosy the last years I think I've learned to just manage my workload More than anything, but it's more about the trainers are right for where they have runners so like I was, the main reason i went to hamilton friday was because i actually had three three going and and um, the one which one was i really wanted to go right her bold manner i thought she would win so it's it's more about looking after the people who have been good to me and but certainly managing my workload i've learned how to i know i'll need a freshen up soon so i'll take a few days and then i'm good to go again but you know i certainly won't be Certainly won't be just writing at Metro meetings or anything like that, um, but I'll be still writing at plenty of them, but yeah, like I said, just about managing your workload. Well done again on the week. Thank you. Declan Bates
1: joining us here. He's another one of those great stories, like a Johnny Allen coming out, former Irish jumps jockey, who um, is now reaching the pinnacle of racing here in Australia, and it was a, an intriguing race. I think... You hit the nail on the head, Hutchie, watching that race. After about four or 500 metres, I was going to, this is going to happen again. Mm. Uh, she's going to do it again. Yeah. Uh, especially if you're on Fangirl, who was smashed in the market, started $2.40 favourite. We might actually just have a listen to the beaten jocks and then discuss the beaten brigade.
2: James McDonald, Fangirl.
5: Yeah, good run. She's um, had a great preparation and she'll come back good.
2: Blake Shen, Victoria Road.
5: Look, he sat third in the run, travelled Nice. When the pressure went on, he was just found wanting a to touch. So. Damien Oliver, The Inevitable. He had a good run, ran a great race. Just got a little bit crowded for him in the straight, but if I was going better, I would have been able to push through it. But he's ran a huge race, finished right between sort of fangirl and Mr Brightside, so great effort. John Allen, Banker's Choice. Yeah, look, I think he ran OK, a little bit class, but um, I think he's gone well enough for his right, right, for the right race. Tim Clark, Alligator Blood. Yeah, he was very brave. He, um, he got within a length of the, the winner and then probably just felt the effects of a long prep the last last little bit he was out on his feet, but he's done a wonderful job.
2: Craig Williams, Mr Brightside.
5: Well, he's he's a star, isn't he? Just uh, We just didn't win today. His performance is amazing. Um, no, I don't, I don't take any credit away from the eventual winner. She was tough and dominant, very rogue style And but when I straightened up, I thought I was under a lot of pressure and it just shows you how good my horse is. Brightside is just such a good, tenacious horse and We see now, six months, six months, 12 months later, he wouldn't be able to do what he did today. So it's really exciting to see how he comes back in the autumn. Or maybe they'll find another race for him. The Hayes boys have got such a good handle on this horse. He looks fabulous. He's performing fantastic. Unfortunately, the only thing we didn't do today was we didn't win.
1: He's been phenomenal, hasn't he? And I thought he was going to drop out again on the point of the turn, Mr. Brightside, but he he gusted out. So he's had six runs so far this campaign for three wins and three seconds, two group ones and seconds in three. Group 1's the King Charles, the Cox Plate, and
4: on Saturday, the Champion Stakes. Has he got enough petrol on the tank to get to Hong Kong? Yeah, I would think so. I mean, we it's interesting, the whole phenomenon around as well, sort of gut buses, and we've just been talking about horses coming out of fast races and running well. I mean, uh, I think it's overplayed a little bit, to be perfectly honest. I think they, they can cope with it a lot better, but I think the bigger issue for him is probably he has had a slightly longer campaign than most and then where does that leave you when you come back so Mm. it's more so if they've got the autumn in mind when you know they're going to need a break how long will that take and will that thwart sort of an autumn campaign so that's for the boys to work out they're flying he's a tough and genuine horse i I don't think i remember remember back in his earlier days he, he he was up for quite a long time and he held his form extremely well i know it was at an easier level but it was another great run on the weekend. I mean I in in my opinion on a on a probably a, a, if conditions are fair he's the winner of the race. Um he was gallant once again, but you have got to also take into account what Willow said that he felt like he was out in his feet at the turn and maybe he is looking for a break so. And he had
0: a couple of grand finals like going to Sydney broke his routine a bit down here as well so that was that, that goes in the sort of the, the arduous sort of category, Cox Plate, then the Champions Day. And as you say, Hutchie, like David Hayes is going to be in Hong Kong and go, Do you want a damn good excuse, boys, not to bring him up here. So, Who's he going to meet in the Hong Kong uh, mile? Well,
4: With... if he goes to the mile, Golden 60 will be going so, there. Yeah.
1: So would you go to the, is the 2000 going to be much easier?
4: No, Romantic Warrior Romantic will be there. Romantic Warrior is going to back up, yeah. So, so yeah, you take on Golden 60 in the mile. <laughs> but, you know, you'd probably be happy to have another go to Romantic Warrior, but that's usually the strong race. But, yeah, I, my, my gut tells me that I think they'll be going for a break, but I'm not sure.
0: Yep. Yeah, you'd think so because the turnaround, as you say, Hutchies, mm. it feels like it's going to be it would be one run too many to me to mm. go. But for the sake of the... The Hong Kong Carnival. It'd be good to see Mr. Brightside there, wouldn't it? So be,
4: yes, it would be fantastic. And uh, you, he's so honest and so tough mm. that you'd think he'd uh, go and represent us really well, either race as well. You'd sixteen or or two thousand. Uh, fangirl, just the the shape. I think the her. way the ra- the track was playing. I think uh, for me, I th- I like her at a mile. Yep. Um, she ran on really well, but I was surprised at the money for her because it wasn't like that mm. was where you wanted to be, and you'd always knew that they were going to get well strung out. She was going to need to to make a long sustained run. So, look, she was really well supported, and she's run another nice race. I don't think there's much between her and a couple of the other key um, horses in it. Um, but I, yeah, the way it was playing, I was sort of surprised that she was well supported.
0: Just on that, like, and I, what you said, Michael, too. After 200 metres, you knew what was going to happen. Sometimes. You're surprised by how the market gets it wrong and how the experts get it wrong yeah, and then how you occasionally get it right. Like, I actually thought she was a good thing prior to Jenny because I thought she did would do unload? exactly the same the thing again. Yeah, no, I did a bit. Uh, I just thought she'll get a, into that, a head wobble? wobble. Well, she'll get it's into like that holding was. pattern again <laughs> and, the, and once it was a leader's track, all the factors were there in front of us as the day unfolded even more.
4: Um, no wonder the you strutted in here like Conor McGregor this yeah, morning. Sort of yet, the just, money
0: still came for Fangirl, who, when you thought about the way the track was playing and the way of how the hell was she going to make up that yeah, ground? Well,
4: she's going to have to run past a few good ones, which wasn't going to be easy. But Matt's, well done, Manny.
0: Matt's phone's going off for everyone that he owes, because so, he's had a <laughs> fat carnival.
5: <laughs> <laughs> Actually, no, it's been
0: it's been peaks and troughs. Uh, just We've before we go break. to the break, yeah. oh, I just want to mention something <laughs> that we want to talk about a bit later on, too. A tragic. Very sad news about Patrick Smith overnight. So we all want to pay some sort of a tribute to the the, the voice we need, we we we've needed in racing for some time, and we haven't had for a few years. And he's we'll do that a little later died. on at the program. We'll take a break. More to come after this. On RSN's Racing Pulse, this is the
3: verdict. Zaki in front kicked a length in front a tissue coming at Zaki though a tissue moves up to Zaki Buckaroo and then came Dewis who's trying to come on but a tissue sprints away 100 metres to go two lengths in front of Zaki and then Dewis but it's a tissue J-Mac again a tissue wins second Dewis third young
1: Verdict. yeah welcome back to Racing Pulse and the verdict Matty Stewart Clint Hutchison looking back on Champions Day and the entire Melbourne Cup Carnival and it was J-Mac again he only had Three winners for the carnival, which by J-Max standard, uh, he'd be pretty frustrated. He had eight seconds, but those three Group 1 winners were the Derby, the Oaks, and the $3 million champion stakes. And, Matty, you're talking about the obvious in the lead-up to that race. We're going, well, gee, this form line of a tissue looks pretty good now with <laughs> what Pride and Jenny just did, but did we back her? No. <laughs> and, again, it was the way the race shape was, and it may have been... Not Spence how most driven. people would
4: have thought. <laughs> it was a messy race, simple as that. I mean, obviously, West Wind blows, missed it. We'll talk about that ride in a little while. But um, look, at tissue had the right form. I mean, in retrospect, probably ran to the same market she did behind Pride of Jenny. She's held that form. She defied the patent to an extent, but the race shape probably helped. And like I said, it was a little muddling and... I think um, yeah, she run to this. She's run to the same mark. She's beaten Jewess, who was I think run to her sort of level as well, and and Young Werther. So I'm not sure it was the sort of stellar edition. I think the winner's good, a tissue, but um, I think in behind uh, a few of those have probably you know got a, a group one placing or, or you know done quite well. But there wasn't the depth in this race, was there? In some of the others, when you get
1: the the bright side alligator blood going to the mile and Fangirl, yeah. it's it's probably the race that was a bit thin class-wise, but not so much in numbers. When you get a Zaki that maybe didn't perform up to his old level, but he then had to deal with uh, the diggerisation from West Wind. Blow's prowess, I thought was a bit flat. Um, and Jewess is a good mare, but it's been a while since yep. she wins. She runs consistently, but she hasn't put him away for a while. Let's hear what the beaten jockeys had to say.
5: Billy Egan, Youngweather Yeah, he ran super, um, he just didn't have a lot, of lot coming into the straight, no fault of his own he, and he did a really good job to sort of rebound off that and pick himself up and get to the line Damien Oliver, US. She went great, uh, had a good run, when it was just a bit too good for us today Lake Shen, Buckaroo uh, He ran really well, uh, lo- lo- love the filly, give me this horse, um, second run in Australia, he ran fifth but quitted himself very well, he's got a bright future
2: spencer
5: west wind blows i had to enter the barriers a couple of times not sure that helped um slow away um but ultimately disappointed Jamie Kazaki. he ran great it was just a really muddling run race for him if um jamie spencer's horse lead went to the front would have made it easier but um he just he went inside outside the whole time and he just needed a nice smooth run but he ran well
1: yeah, you could tell she was frustrated, Jamie Carr, <laughs> there, because when you were watching the overhead, it was, as she said, it wasn't the fact that he whipped around them and then went to the front, but he, he kind of was moving all over the place, and Jamie mm. Carr and Zaki was inside, outside, so he, there's no doubt he disturbed Zaki and probably cost Zaki finishing a bit closer to race. I don't
4: know whether he cost him the win, but... He certainly cost himself the win. Uh, I understand why he did what he did. I mean, he was slow in the stride, and then he's thinking, I'm on a mile-and-a-half horse that needs to be up there and generally is up there and to make it a test, but it never looks good when it doesn't come off. There's not many uh, horses that can do what No, they can't, and, it. and that's what it showed but as well. But he didn't well, too hard of a hurry, did.
0: too. Like, he just... He, oh, no, I thought it was a way, way worse ride than that, mm. I've got to say. He just... Uh, you know Like He, he was always going to miss the start like that And then he thought I don't have a plan B So plan A Oh that's right He wants me over there And then to Sap that much energy For, for two furlongs To get there And then do that wobbly thing That Jamie Carr was Aggrieved about Like uh, it was just a terrible ride. If he misses a
4: start and he stays back there, he cops it anyway. So you've missed a start. When it wasn't him, the horse can be slow. So like I said, I, I can understand why. I mean, there's a lot of horses that went hard on the day, Matty, that mm. kept going. So mm. he's on a horse that many would have expected if did jump on terms. did that. Look, I'm not. I'm not sort of defending it, I'm just saying what I would imagine his mindset would be and when it
0: doesn't come off him, he's been beaten through enough, and he was just grinding away at the finish. so You have to be adaptable um, though, don't you? You can't just be a one-trick pony because once you miss the start, the effort to get from where he was to where he wanted to be, that was it. That, that, mm. that cooked him. So you've got to come up with a better strategy than that. It's interesting, he's been here all spring and he didn't ride one winner. Well, that he rode happen. all
1: four days of the carnival. Yeah, you've got to be, so, still got to
0: be a bit Jamie Carrish. You got to be on the right cattle too. But he was on the right cow in West Wind Blows. That's right. But yeah. uh, but I thought he he's riding the good the really cup, like yeah. a good ride. The Cup was really like he gave it every possible. Like a, he gave it
4: every a similar type of ride today. But they're
0: very the, one-dimensional, the though. Those Europeans when they come here, they te- they can be. They're not all like that. But they just think powerful gallop, powerful gallop. You know that sort of thing. They don't. They, there's not a lot of nuance. Like if he would restrained and then had a bit of a think about it and then assessed what was around him. Surely that was a better idea, you know. Well, I guess in retrospect it was anyway. So oh, I, I agree. I don't think he had much hope the way
1: he was. Um, interesting though, the the spread of wins over the four days was was very wide. I think something like eighteen different jockeys won over the four days of the carnival. Um, Craig Williams didn't get a winner. McDee didn't get a winner. Mark Zara had one winner. Not a
4: bad one to win the Melbourne Cup, but well, there there you go, and that's the conversation you have, you know, Mm. in terms of I know that was Cup Week, and you're more referencing the whole spring, but it's not easy. I mean, yeah, they're they're all. That's the one of the best parts about the spring, and we've seen some dilution of it. I think with you know Sydney having a lot of the races. I mean that's the part that I really enjoy as well. Part of what I really enjoy is seeing all the best mm. of the best here. You know, you've got the your quality horses and all the best jockeys and you just see it all race to another level. And it, it's more often than not
0: a very good ride that wins every race. Well, I think the, the most telling image of the whole spring about how international, the, the international melting pot and all that was the class of 2023, the mm. jockeys, mm. um, I've never seen a greater group of jockeys in Melbourne at the one time riding in the same race. They were all there, you know. There was, there was obviously one or two missing if you really wanted to. Damien Lane, for instance, didn't get a ride this year for some, you know, by just circumstances and so on. But to have all of them here, like um, Frankie, so shame Frankie couldn't have put the silks on for that photo, wasn't it? But <laughs> um, that to me, that to, that was, if we can't get. Um, the, the superstar horses of the Northern Hemisphere, but but to get the superstar jockeys is is still a big thing to me. Like You know, in Hong Kong, mm. when they have that series at, at Happy Valley, that, that's a fairly big introduction to Tin. It's a nice I mean. appetizer yeah. for the week, for yeah. sure. It
4: is nice yeah. to have them here. It would have been great to have Frankie riding, like you yeah. said. But yeah, I think, uh, look, the carnival every year delivers. Yeah. It has again. And um, I, I like the... I like. Having you know some of their riders come down. I mean, it hasn't worked out well for them in the last two years. Jamie's had copped his criticism, and probably rightly so, to a large extent, with West Wind blows. I can perfectly understand it, and I think Willie Buick last year was the same, wasn't yep. he? Um, he could not ride there away. Was, uh, it. There was Horsey rode down the straight, which just was a horror watch yeah, for many. And ball that's ball that's ball the thing yeah. with a lot of them. And when it
0: goes wrong, it goes horribly wrong. We and, actually, sorry, we spoke to Rob Montgomery yesterday, the chief steward. You know, when you're not sure whether a steward's jurisdiction is to that would have been a long segment yesterday. No, it wasn't overly. With about six stroke he suspended or yeah, something. Yeah, no, they, they, he mentioned all that, but it was mainly about West Wind Blows. And we said, Did you ask him why? And he said, Yeah, I bloody hope I did. And we were joking that Rob Montgomery drove Jamie Spencer to the airport and all that, but. Yeah, there's, there's a fine line when you're the steward, whether it's your jurisdiction to query what the punders are howling as a slaughter or, or as opposed to something the stewards should be concerned about. He said, Yeah, we were we were concerned about the robbery. We wanted to know what the hell he was thinking, yeah. basically. So, J Mac, I, I think I said three wins. He had four. I forgot Schwartz, who's a nice source we'll talk about later. He had, had four
1: winners, he had eight seconds. And two-thirds. Yeah, but when it. you...
4: I mean, and he, I still think he'd be walking away from the carnival a bit disappointed, even with three group runs. I mean, you look at the starting price of a lot of his horses. He was he had an unbelievable uh, book of rides. Ten and,
1: bucks was the longest price ride he had all yeah,
4: four all, days. Yeah, or I think he only had maybe two in double-figured odds, and a lot of them were short, so. so...
0: if you ride the most winners, should you win the title? I can see your argument,
1: but Jamie... So, Jamie Carr had six winners, two seconds and a third. J-Mac, four winners, eight seconds and a third. And then Blake Shin... Three winners, four uh, seconds, and five thirds. So they were the. It's a. It's like the 2 Three, two, one. Thirty points. Twenty-three points. Twenty-two points. But so, it plays
4: into the favour of a J Mac as riding those. So I agree with mm, what you said. I mm, think if you ride the most winners, if mm, you're riding six, you deserve it. I basic mean, starting I, point. Yeah. Most winners. I or reckon, or weigh it mm, a little more heavily with the winners so that well, that's, that's the right, result. You know.
0: Yeah. Anyway, look. The bottom line is, I was really really happy for Jamie Carr that she was able to. She must be made of st- strong stuff because she was under so much pressure. She f- she knows it too. She's not immune to being aware of what people are thinking, and she she does think a lot about what people think. Um, so the- for her to wear that, and then those nuanced rides like spacewalk, chasing down Najim Sahal yeah, on the Saturday, great, right? and just getting that ride and um, deny what a- knowledge, deny knowledge. That was that was classic Jamie Carr. That ride wasn't it? So well, Mick Kent did say. I would. Have, I
1: thought she was going too slow. Uh, this is a horse mm. that can run I faster thought the, sections. I thought
4: one of her sort of uh, good was What a deal, actually, because that's a horse that yep. generally gets back, and that was what we saw mm. from Jamie a lot. You know, all of a sudden, oh, you're parked outside the leader on a horse that we know as a sort of backmarker, good, from Annabelle Nation, of course, who hasn't, uh, who's picked up the horse yeah. as well lately, but no, it was, I mean, Jamie was mm. fantastic during the, all week.
0: She, she went to Perth last year, I wonder whether um, she might keep things rolling and really try and get some rides in Perth just to keep things going, and Hong Kong, I wonder, she's dropped in and out of there, very yeah. successfully, she? may well she? get an
4: opportunity yeah. to, to go over and ride again, I'm sure, but uh, it was just great to see her back. Um, There's no doubt about
1: that I'm fascinated to see how some of these Major races rated over the Four days and we know Daniel O'Sullivan's the best In the business when it comes to assessing These big time races And he joins us once again, Daniel Appreciate your time
2: Hi guys, how are you?
1: Very well indeed Just, we'll get your overview In a moment but firstly on the the Three champions races on Saturday, which was the the strongest race Out of your ratings, was it Imperatrix?
2: Yeah, it was in uh, Michael. So she ran 106, which, uh, so this prep at Mooney Valley, I've got her going 108, 106, 108, and then 106. Um, to be honest, I thought I thought the race may not rate that high, but when you look on the clock, um, it was very, very strong when, when you group at the straight races on the day. Juanes um, Notches is a massive improver there. Um, But then if if you take a line through in secret and even SDO Bell and Nipotina, that that 106 makes perfect sense. So she's put together an amazing body of work this spring. Um, Is without a doubt now the best sprinter in the country. And putting Black Caviar aside, I would say without checking the details, she's probably the highest rated sprinting mare we've seen here oh, you'd probably have to go back to someone like Miss Andretti back in 2007 to to find another mare outside of Black Caviar that's run similar ratings to what Imperatriz is putting together. And she's just done it consistently, um, so consistently in in four straight runs. It's, yeah, just a phenomenal performance from her across the spring.
0: Is there any global perspective of um, Imperatriz? We had the Breeders' Cup meeting in Santa Anita recently. There was a Breeders' Cup sprint there. Is there any... I know it's a bit loose, but is there any global perspective of where she is at the moment in Peritrys in the, in the sprint ranks? Uh, look, I'm
2: sort of not fully up to date with some of those recent ratings, Matt. But look, there's no doubt 108, I uh, heard sort of two peaks this spring. That That's world class at, at most, um, you know, in, in most eras sort of thing. That's on the world class um, level where she could pretty much go to any sprint race and either win or be, be very competitive. Um, putting aside, you know, perhaps the the very best sprinters that we've we've seen in history. So, yeah, not only is she our best sprinter, but she's running to um, a world class level, which is what we're used to uh, from our sprinting stocks here.
1: There's an SMS saying uh, from one of our listeners that uh, these championship races are um, full of horses who are coming to the end of their preps. They're dangerous races to bet. And what what are your rating figures say? Um, about the mile and the the two thousand meter, where we have seen horses in those races that have had big springs.
2: Yeah, so in the in the mile race, I mean, quite a Jenny, You know, has gone even better than she did in the Empire Rose, hundred and four point eight, which is yeah, very very good level. Mister Brightside, Alligator Blood, Fango have all rated down. Um, look, my theory with all these things is there's a stack of reasons why horses can lose or, or run below their best on a day. And it's our nature to want to attach some type of theory to that 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 makes sense. So it's easy to say, well, they're at the end of the prep and and this meeting's at the end of the prep and things like that. And there's perhaps some truth to that. We don't really know. But there could also be a range of other reasons. And we've got the the shape of the race, um, how brilliantly she was ridden in front. A horse like Fangirl just gave away far too big a start. Um, So, yeah, I, I wouldn't necessarily you know, put it down to the fact that it was the end of prep for all those horses. If we went, you know, back past previous carnivals and I'm sure we find many, many examples of of horses at a similar stage in their prep running up to their ratings or even running new peaks where we conveniently forget that excuse that it might be at the end of the prep or late in the spring. So um, yeah, I don't I don't read too much into that. It was a great race on the day and, and the best horse won doing it all from the front in in uh Bo-Roga or Sunline so
0: I wonder whether with Without a Fight, it might be a bit of a Jeune kickoff. Uh, like Jeune, after winning a Melbourne Cup, was able to come out and win, you know, go on to it and, and, and be a, a, a decent weight for age, middle distance, sort of even short courses first up. But how does, what do we, what do we expect from Without a Fight in the future? Uh, Hutchie said he was a superstar and he does look like a really classy one who had hookum form in, in the UK. Can he go on now and I think they're thinking about Shima Classics in Dubai. What what can we expect from without a fight off the ratings?
2: Yeah, I think there's no doubt about that, Matt. I mean, I, he'll measure up and, and be a proper Group One weight for age horse, um, even as slow down as 2,000 metres um, races here, race like the Tankard, and even races on the world stage. If they want to take him there, that's not necessarily say he's up to Europe's best, but there's, there's no doubt um, you know some races on the global stage that would be a good fit for him. Um, his Melbourne Cup was 108. Um, that's at late for age. Um, That makes him... The only horses that have rated high, the only Melbourne Cup winners in, in about the past 15 years would be very elegant and protectionist. Um, so it was a very strong Melbourne Cup. Um, we saw it was better than his Caulfield Cup win, which was 104.7. But what we've seen with that horse, uh, particularly when he raced up in Queensland, was he's also got a monster turn of foot and, and sectional talent. So he's, he's got a huge... Engine um, to relish high-pressure races like a Four Field Cup and Melbourne Cup, but we've also seen when the, when the tempos a bit softer and and a turn of foot is the key thing that he's also got that. So he's really a, a complete racehorse and and one that's sitting right at the the elite level now.
1: Was there any other horse or race that you can say to the punters out there that it, it may have flown a little under the radar, but the the figures? tell us that you really want to be following this?
2: Um, look, I, I still have to, to be honest, uh, Michael, do like a really deep dive into the individual performances just beyond the ratings and what we saw visually. Uh, visually, There's just so much racing mm. across the Cup Week that keeping up with the, with the form and, and things like that has, has always been a, a stretch, but a very enjoyable one. So... Uh, I'll probably publish some of that stuff on, on my sort of social media but um, yeah look it was was a great spring, it was good to see a little bit of unpredictability um, even though as a punter you always like the results to go your way but the horses like pride of journey Servicing, and, and even a tissue um, that, that unpredictability
4: of racing is what continues to make it so exciting and, and the carnival delivered on that again. Dan, one month that might fit that bill, Muramasa seemed to go pretty well and looking forward to next year's cup But looked uh, at a quick glance that the, the numbers weren't bad for that race.
2: Yeah, they were really good actually. That race rated highly. He's a, a, you a know, clear new peak so he, he definitely looks a stay on the up and, and as we've seen from the sale, they can just continue to develop these types and they just gradually get better and, and, yeah, no doubt he'll be aiming towards some targets in the autumn, but especially with an eye for, for this time next year and, and perhaps um, Caulfield Cup, Melbourne Cup. So, yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see how he progresses.
0: Did the Coolmore Classic rate as high as the anticipation was of the race?
2: Um, 103.5 osmosis, so it was a, a shade down on the typical Coolmore standard about um, about 0.6 of a length in, in technical terms. Um, you know, pre-race it, it sort of looks like it was that um, the, the lead-up form, sorry, was was a little bit below what we typically see. So it's no doubt that it, that it rated there, but it was still a you know quite a good 3 year race. Clearly, that the best we've seen this season. Um, osmosis, I thought he was really good because he did the work up front um, and, and through the line. I know I'm, I'm unstoppable, made a run. Um, made some impression in the final 200. But just in the last four or five strides, Osmosis was comfortably holding him and and all the others through the line. So for a a horse to do the work up front and then still be the strongest going through the line, I think that highlights a fair bit of substance in that win. And and I know that Bjorn Baker's always felt that physically this horse has still got a bit to come in terms of his maturing and developing. So, yeah, he's an exciting sprinter to, to follow into the autumn. Um, Because he's rated at a good level here, and if he's got some some more physical development to come, perhaps beyond the average sort of three-year-old, then, yeah, he could be well and truly mixing it with with the top ones in the autumn. And
1: Zardozi was visually very impressive winning the Oaks. How did that race rate?
2: Yeah, that was quite a good Oaks. Um, I just don't have the... She rated 101.5, so... That puts her just off the top of my head above most Oaks in in recent history. I'd have to go back and look at the list, but it's definitely better than than the past few. Um, And even some of the other decent Oaks winners, um, we've seen she's probably a touch ahead of that. Um, So, yeah, I mean, she just went ahead significantly on on her previous form. Um, So did the second and the second horse uh, as well. So I think... It's always a bit tricky with these three-year-old staying features. We, we always look at these winners with, with a view to what they might be able to do in the future and, and often they don't measure up. Um, but look, she was better than the average Oaks winner. Uh, so yeah, we will view her in the same light and perhaps even the second horse and, and look forward, hopefully, that they can go on and, and do something in the, the middle to longer distances. As they get
4: older. And just out of curiosity, Dan, I mean, when we go back uh, earlier in the spring, we have a look at a race like the Stock Stakes, where Amelia's Jewel beat Pride of Jenny, and deny knowledge at the time. Sort of many were sort of, ah, oh, she's only beaten uh, Pride of Jenny by a small margin. Do you go back and you know adjust or bonus or re-rate that race um, going forward and say, well, I might have been, might have rated that a little bit low on where it should have been? No, I don't think, to be
2: honest, because the the sort of rating process. You know, has a number of cross checks and balances and and things like that. I do go back and look at them just to, for interest's sake. Um, when you do see you know some good form come out of a race, but look in that case, everything uh, for that particular race at Mooney Valley sort of added up to the rating that it was. That the margins back through that the form of the horses we knew at the time, um, the clock, everything was consistent. Um, Sometimes I think we can overplay a little bit. Um, form coming out of a race and, and forget that horses can improve or horses can decline. There's absolutely no doubt that Pride of Jenny's improved significantly um, to suggest that her win on Saturday uh, and even in the Empire Rose was the same version of her we saw at Moonee Valley that night. I, I think is wrong. Um, she, she improved into the Empire Rose and, and then she improved again um, last Saturday. Um, the nine knowledge has just continued to sort of run up to her rating. So, um, had she been in a stronger race, the nine knowledge may have been beaten a couple of lengths, but still run the same rating, and we wouldn't be adding, you know, weight to that form. So, I think a lot depends on, yeah, what horses come out of a race, what standard of race they go to, and and also you're know, not forgetting the fact that, that they can improve. So, um, as we discussed at the time, and that was still a, you know, very solid rating by Amelia it wasn't a superstar category that she was sort of being um, put up as uh, and, and hopefully we get to see her come back and, and get every opportunity to see if she's up to that level because um, even though I was on the front foot suggesting she was a bit overplayed it's fair to say she hasn't had every, every chance since then to, um, to, to show her best uh,
1: Appreciate your time and analysis uh, as always Daniel, it's been a big week so <laughs> thanks for helping us out on uh, the Mondays throughout the spring
2: yeah, my
1: pleasure, guys. It's been uh, yeah great carnival and yeah continues on this week. But we've seen here yeah, lots of talent and yeah it's always exciting. Cheers, mate. Daniel O'Sullivan joining us here with his ratings. Um, so Imperatrix interesting taking out Black Caviar, the the, the highest running mare we've seen since Miss Andretti, and she's building that record. We'll come back and discuss her race in a moment. There's a few SMSs coming through here. I thought the carnival was brilliant. Uh, it needs to change the Derby to a $5 million 2,000 metre race and put another $5 million 2,000 race on the first day. Um, Where's all this money coming I from? <laughs> uh, maybe our listener. Um, I, I thought, I, I don't like, I, I like the Derby stain as is. I know Matt's in the other camp. He wants it to go to 2,000 metres. No, I'm I'm, ev- I'm evenly split. What are your thoughts, Hutchie?
4: I think I think it would get um, a bigger field at 2,000 and I think it would be I think they'd be more willing to take it on. And, and, yeah, I'm sort of leading that way.
1: Even with the spring champion there? Breathing down its neck? Yeah. Um, Shima Classic, uh, if they're heading that way, I hope Equinox isn't going there. <laughs> um, how difficult is it to rate meetings with a clear bias? How much do you add in your rating assessments? Well, it,
4: it, yeah, you know, it's, it's so variable. It depends. I mean, you've got ultimately, you've got to allocate... Some sort of uh, a margin uh, or weight, so mm. everyone has their processes,
0: as Dan just mentioned. But did you think that he doesn't retrospectively reassess once the form enhancers like from that Mooney Valley race and yeah and everyone's got their own ways yeah, Dan everyone's hasn't got, and yeah, he said he's got yeah. his checks and balances at the time but yep. others do
4: others do go mm. back and uh, you know upgrade a certain race or, or not so it's just interesting there's plenty of different ways to tackle it as no, we know Maddie definitely, definitely. Uh, another
1: one here hey boys I think it should be five points for a win three for a second one for a third a better distribution of points for the Jockey Award uh, Rod from Strathmore uh, a few more coming through here how could Hutchie possibly defend the Spencer ride? Uh, he should have been suspended for that ride. <laughs> um, another one saying, do you think Tim Clark would like his ride again on Alligator Blood? He should have been the leader. I don't know. How do you
4: lead Pride of Jenny? No, <laughs> he, pride he doesn't King. have to lead Alligator no. Blood. He's a good sitter. I yeah. reckon he's actually a good sitter. I actually think that kind of that kind of race actually suits him because he can usually absorb it and mm. um, and run well.
1: Uh, can you tell me why the Sandown Guineas is at Caulfield? Uh, well, this is the, the reconfigured big Group One meeting, which we'll talk to you about in a moment, Hutchie. Uh What we'll do is we'll take a quick break on the other side of this. Imperatriz, could the world be waiting for her? Now, we'll find out from Dave Ellis from Tiako. Placing their opinion on the
3: line, it's The Verdict. Front page joined by Imperatriz at the 200 metres. Gwana's not notches it in secret trying to chase down Imperatriz at the 150. Imperatriz in front. Guanas notches coming at her. But it's Imperatriz. She digs in. She's in front. Another star turn from a brilliant
5: bear. Imperatriz from Guanas Notches in secret. Well, right up there. Um, and to do it for Tiako and David Allison, Mark Walker and the whole team, it's just um stream come true riding a horse like her. Oh, probably a little bit of relief more than anything but uh, stage as well And Ben and the team did a fantastic job I went home after the Manicato and uh, Ben's assembled a great team of people that we got at Cranbourne and uh, you know days like this it, it makes it all worthwhile, everyone's hard graft
1: Yeah they couldn't have had a better start to their Melbourne expansion setting up their stables at Cranbourne uh, with Imperatriz the flag bearer for Tiakao and of course, the boss of Tiaka, Dave Ellis, is the man who would have been a very satisfied man on Saturday, watching his Wonder Mare Imperatriz keep her unbeaten spring record intact in the VRC uh, Classic, now known as the Champion Sprint. Uh, good morning, Dave. Well done.
6: Thank you very much. Good morning. Uh, well,
1: you're pretty confident throughout because uh, the last couple of starts we've seen Opie, take any bad luck out of the equation. She sat up on speed and just dominated her races.
6: Yeah, um, I've got a lot of confidence in the mare, but you don't get too confident or cocky in Group 1 races because they don't give them away, and I knew it was a really good field. Uh, So I was mildly confident, but... uh, not over-the-top sort
0: of thing. Tell us about your confidence in this jockey who you know better than anyone, and he's just such a dude, Opie Bossin. We spoke to him yesterday. He flew home after the race. He'd already pre-organised with his sons, Max and Cody, to, to get up early and go fishing off the coast of Auckland, and he just seems to be able to just move from one thing to the other and and just be the coolest man on a, in, a, in a hot seat like he was with Imperatrice. Tell us a bit about Opie Bossin.
6: He came to work for me when he was 14, and uh, Steve Ortridge was my trainer. Uh, Mark Walker was my foreman, and uh, uh, we've um, uh, been through uh, life together. We've had good days, we've had bad days, but uh, he's just such a naturally good horseman, such a good person, and um, uh, what he does for the industry and for Te Akao is uh, just amazing. He drives down from his farm south of Auckland to Matamata most weeks, three days a week to ride work. And the exciting thing is after track work he normally rings me and uh, occasionally he'll say I've found one. and. Uh, when he says I've found one, you just know it's a certain Group One horse in the making mm-hmm. because he's a world class judge at track work. He's
0: just got the best feeling for a horse that anybody could have. I'd love to have heard his first murmurings after jumping off in <laughs> Hey, David, from an Australian perspective,
6: before have <laughs> Targe ever race, and uh, she won nine Group Ones from 1,200, 1,400, 1,600, and
0: 2,000. And he said to
6: me, I've found one. This thing is unreal. There you Um, go. Yeah, he's a
0: great judge. From an Australian point of view, he's he's this star Kiwi farmer slash jockey who drops in and out every now and then, and we don't get to see a lot of him. But Michael Walker said during... Cox plate or cup week that he's the best jockey he ever rode against and there's Shane Dye, James McDonald M- Michael Walker who have come over how how does he sit in New Zealand Opie Boston because we can't judge him as well as you can like domestically is he top of the pops over there Opie uh well he's
6: he, he doesn't win many Premierships because um, he uh, has he, he doesn't ride under 55 and a half 56. Um, that's what he's riding at at the moment but at the start of the season he struggles to get under 57 Uh, so he doesn't ride uh, the races like uh, you know the premiership winners but he always has the most prize money and the best strike rate.
4: David obviously this uh, this preparation has gone perfectly Um, you you had this game plan all along and How difficult was it at times, obviously, with all the avarice discussion and um, plenty of narrative around that through it? You you clearly stuck to your guns, but how difficult was it to sort of stay on the path?
6: Uh, Well, it was quite incredible, the number of options that we were given from people that had uh, slots in those races. Uh, But I always believe in doing what's best for the mayor and um, Mark Walker thought that it was best for her to stay in Melbourne uh, so um, that's what we did and we love Group 1 races and um, we love the races in Melbourne. We get looked after so well by the administrators there uh, and um, we're lucky to be at Cranbourne which I think is easily the best training facilities I've ever seen in the world. And um, we're excited, and we're going to. Uh, we'll have forty horses in training there uh, within three or
0: four months. It's going to be the most lethal boutique stable in Victoria, <laughs> I think. In time, uh, just out of curiosity, David, how heavy was the lean from Sydney to to run in the Everest? Uh, I know there are administrators. There was a lot of weird talk on. You know, there was a column written on one of the websites about. Having a go at connections for not running was was there a lot of pressure applied across multiple platforms? Whether it was slot holders, media, racing, New South Wales, ATC, were they really leaning hard to get you there?
6: Oh, probably, yeah. Um, but um, you know, I I, I I love Group One races, and um, I think that Imperatrice is probably marginally better left-handed. And uh, she'd had a long trip from New Zealand to Cranbourne, and I just didn't think that she needed another trip uh, up to Sydney. So we, our policy that Mark Walker and I have developed over, you know, thirty years, is that we do what's best for the horse. The horse comes first.
4: And and David, talking about Group One races, I know it's uh, the carnival's just over, but I'm not sure if you've had a chance to sort of. You know, regroup and, and start planning towards next year and, and what her targets will be. Can you give our uh, listeners any hint on, on what some of those targets might well be?
6: No, we're just going to give her a spell now for two or three weeks in the paddock and then we will uh, come up with a plan. Mark Walker and I'll sit down uh, and we'll work out what we think's the best plan for her, for the owners uh, and We'll go from
0: there. She seems to have raced her way out of New Zealand, but I mean, I'm thinking that a, a, the top of the list would have to be something like the Lightning Stakes at Flemington. Would would certainly be something that you, you you're throwing around.
6: Yeah, for sure. That's a, a, be a nice race to kick her off on.
0: Would
1: you be open to overseas races? Uh, yeah, we'll certainly have a look at
6: everything.
4: All right, beautiful. We can have a lot of fun. You have already, and the ownership group and you've done such a fantastic job, David. They uh, they've certainly uh, had a pretty good, uh, well, as good as it gets, spring. So uh, must have been enjoyable times.
6: Yeah, it was. And next week we've got the ready to run sale in New Zealand, and Tiarkow will be buying. Mark Walker and I will be buying at the sale. So anybody that wants to get involved and have a horse with Tiarkow. Is welcome to give us a ring, and,
1: and that's important to note because most people think it's a, um, it's a, it's your business. Um, but you are now open to other owners coming on board with the the Tiakau Tangerine.
6: We've always trained for anybody that wants to have a horse with us, so they can have whatever colours they want, uh, and um, they can have their horse trained by Mark Walker.
0: Well, there you go, and look, I think there's nothing better for Brand than having the it horse, and I, I, do you get a sense that she's the it horse of Australasia now? I certainly feel that way, and I know a lot of people do, and that that she was the star on Saturday, that she was the one most people were going to see. It must be a lovely feeling knowing you've got the, uh, the it horse.
6: Yeah, well, I've never had more texts or emails in my <laughs> life than I had on Saturday night, and it's great to see that the racing fraternity have been you know, endorsed her, and most the most of them just love her, don't they? So that's very exciting for Tiko and for
1: the owners. Well, well done again. she's been the the standout star of the spring throughout the entire um spring carnival. There's no doubt about that imperatrix It's great to see more Tica horses here as well. We look forward to seeing her in the autumn.
0: Thank you very much. Do you guys feel that way? I think now that they're all drifting into the paddocks and then coming back for the autumn that she's the... I reckon Amelia's jewel was the one coming into the spring that everyone was like, well, what's she going to do? I think Imperatriz is now the one that when they all start coming back, she's going to be the most... Anticipated. Well, everyone loves a winner, and mm. Amelia's
4: Jewel had that unbelievable mm. winning strike rate. And in fairness to her, her last run, who knows what she would have done uh, mm. up in Sydney. It all went horribly wrong there, but she'll be back, and her form's only been boosted from what she's done here, as we mentioned earlier. But, yeah, Imperator is uh, superstar, multiple group one winner, and we love fast horses, and she's mm. very fast. She and, and I think what, what I was, you know, her last couple of runs, I thought the day when, opiate, the valley. He jumped, well, went straight mm. in the front. That's when you knew, you now she's pretty special. I know she didn't beat too much, but it wasn't, oh, well, it didn't work out for us this day. She had to do this or that. and No, it doesn't matter how you well, ride she's, it. She's hard to beat. Well, that's
0: the thing. Yeah. She's got that picket fence versatility, hasn't she? Like, you know, mm. a lot of the ones were subject to speed maps and that. She's proven that she can overcome it.
1: Mm. Yeah. She's won eight of the last nine and the one time she got beaten was when she just got run down by Artorius and the in the Canterbury Stakes. It's an impeccable record over the last What a horse to get run months. down by.
4: a well, good old Artorias as well. I think Zach Perton rode him that he day did. as well. And yeah. Uh, yeah, well, he was always a... You know, that was probably right in his hitting zone, that sort yeah. of distance. Was it 1,300
1: that day? Yeah. yeah. How about the form out of uh, as third race start at uh, Tirapa? Uh, it was the Northumberland Breeders over a Group 3 race. Who ran second to Imperaturas? I wish I win. Uh. <laughs> What ran third, Michael? We might be able
4: to find a winner.
0: Oh, and he's, but uh, he, isn't he I the think other it's one? retired. <laughs> <laughs> but when you think about the potential rivals for is you're thinking about the two that we had ca- only had cameos from in the spring, mm. too Giga Kick and I Wish I Win. Yeah. So I think the it'd Lightning be nice just, if they could all go to the Lightning. I reckon they it? will. It sounds mm. like the Lightning will be the race. Well, we've got more to look forward to. We'll
1: take a quick break. You've got more to look forward to. More at Matt Stewart and Clint Hutchison after this.
3: RSN's Racing Pulse, this is The Verdict. They were followed by Ladies' Man running on and back behind those third round who's tiring. Muramasa at the 200 from Ladies' Man Duke to Cesar Regal Power. Muramasa about a length in front of Ladies' Man Duke to Cesar Regal Power. Muramasa punched out by Buckets more. And Muramasa won the Queen Elizabeth Speaks by over two lengths. Second Ladies' Man from no, It was Cesar.
1: good to see Buckets get a win after missing most of the carnival with that concussion protocol. And I said pre-race. Gee, I I don't think we're going to see another sulcum like performance or a Sulcum come out of this race, but the way Miramasa won and the improvement he's had this time in, three on end since he was gelded and he had that tie-back surgery, who's to say he couldn't progress? He's only likely raced to be maybe a
0: Cups contender next year. Yeah, no, he's Certainly, well, he's got the pedigree too, hasn't he? <laughs> Imagine chop, doing the chop on those. Um, Deep impact. Yeah. <laughs> Are you absolutely yes. sure before yeah. I do yes. this? Are you 100% sure? Um, they, they had a really good carnival, Trent Bussett and Natalie Young as yep. well. Uh, they really came to the fore and Buckets was absolutely spewing. He was in here for a couple of times with us and he was it's just Muramasa is the one I was bloody waiting for and he got back in time for Muramasa, which is good. So um yeah, don't know. Yeah, he might be. He might be that sort of horse, yeah. Yeah, that,
4: look, the numbers were good. Up outside of that, uh, you know, I just look at the race visually and there weren't many during the whole week, I think, that really you could pick the winner. Up. I, I thought a 1,000 from home. You thought, mm. uh, if he, he's just travelling two to their one, I mean, even at that point. And... Uh, He did let down. He ran through the line really well. I mean, if he wins like that over that trip, you're thinking, well, the first Tuesday, November next year, you can start plotting a path, can't you? So, no, it was a really impressive performance. Um, He had to stand up and do it. But as you said, Matty, with those uh, little changes, this preparation, um, Mm. he's, uh, he's come back really well. I thought... Schwartz is a
1: horse to follow he was really impressive and I think even Modown, the second horse hit the line nice so I think that might be a, a good race for miles yeah I think
4: Modown down be the one I'd be more leaning towards only because you know once again you asked about patterns and it was a, once again a a good day to be up there doing what Schwartz did so I mean what do we have seven of nine winners on the day in the first three in the run so you've got to bear that in mind and um in in time like you've got to probably, we'll see how much of a, a bias it actually well, was. Mytho
1: can spruik a horse, but he said pre-race that John O'Shea thinks this is the best horse in his stable. It's a pretty big call.
4: Well, they'd be happy with themselves after the race on the weekend. He's clearly talented. He's only like, he's only like the race as mm. well. I mean, I love the way that he kicked away from them. I mean, you can say you've got a pattern in your favour, but he still, he, he put two or three lengths on them very quickly when he was popped the question. A couple
0: of SMSs. Hey, Matty, wondering why Daniel Moore's nickname is Buckets. Because when he was a hot-headed apprentice at Ray Lawson's, the likes of – he would always try and bludge, and he used to sit on a bucket while all the other track work riders, and who included Zach Purton at the time, would sort of trot past, and he'd be sitting there on the bucket going, what are you blokes doing, you know? Here I am chilling out on a bucket, and it became buckets. That's a true story. It was an upturned bucket that he used to sit on at track work. We should do a segment on the best
1: racing nicknames and where they originated from. What, There'd be you, a few you wouldn't be
4: able to use. That's the problem.
1: Like, <laughs> can you tell Hutchie what your nickname used to be?
0: What was it? Well, didn't Bluey Tronerud give you a Oh, the Water Tank Head, yeah, yeah. Water Tank I've Head. Because I've got an extremely large, disproportionate head, like a fruit. Large, large yogurt, yeah yeah. 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 Yes. That's a long like, nickname. No, mate. Water Tank water Head. Water Tank Head, yeah, that's yeah, too yeah, many yeah, words. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Well, Handbrake Harry would have had a hard time explaining Handbrake Harry, wouldn't he? Into yeah, so. the stewards
1: these days. Yeah, yeah, uh, exactly. Uh, SMS, it sounds like Maddie and Amelia's jewel have decided to see other people fallen out of love with Amelia's and in love with Imperatrix.
0: No, I was just saying that um, coming into the spring, she was the wow horse because of her the mystery of the record and all that. So for that to oh, be oh. interpreted as that is quite a leap of I logic. I think, though, I mean... <laughs> they wouldn't with what's at the end of the spring and I know
4: it didn't work out well of course when they went to Sydney and she was so severely checked in yeah. that key stage and hopefully she comes out of it well enough but
0: she's very that, small she's very little Amelia I don't That's think they're going to be
4: put off are they I mean the form around her and, and what she did during the spring. I bet she had that one flat run after the... Well, the form looks good. Yeah. She yeah. The the was written upside down chased down good.
0: prior to Jenny. That's pretty hot form, so yeah. that's the level... I think you've got yeah. to be thinking, well, we're yeah. going to come oh. back. I mean, we're, yeah. we're talking she, she Cox, she Cox Plate next year. She may nearly have won the Golden Eagles. She was best traveling distance, touchy. What would
4: you set her for? I thought Cox Plate next year, all day. Mm. She can take a position. She was off that good tempo there. She got round there really well.
0: And, uh, yeah, I think that's that's where I'd be at it. She's still one of the – if you have a list of the six or seven most intriguing horses in Australia, she's still on the list, isn't she? Definitely. Absolutely still on the list, yeah.
1: Uh, I know how Jay Mac feels in the weekend. I backed eight seconds at Rose Hill. <laughs> that's Tim from Donvale. Um, is there depth to split the Coolmore into a Colts-Geldings race and a Phillies race?
0: No, ridiculous.
1: No, I, I, I don't think there would be, I think it's, the girls have had a good record in the
0: Coolmore in recent years And it's as well. fun when the girls spoil the party like when sunlight won Gee, it. Yeah, you beat... a real party pooper you are. But it's <laughs> not you can't split it, you couldn't split, <laughs> why would you split it? No, that's
4: a fair call I mean I think you've probably got to leave it the way it is but I, I must admit like if you, if you you know you see those um Colts out there, that potentially it's um, you know it's life changing for a lot of people, isn't it? Yeah, but it? stuff
0: and, them if they get rolled by a sunlight. Well, and exactly, <laughs> and it's the same in the
4: slipper, isn't it? You go, you got two year old the colts and the Phillies and there's there's colts that always be placed, but you like
0: the way it is, is
4: yeah. Is the, the way it should be. Because
0: it was so much fun. The year Sunlight won in the Mounting Yard with all the Zeus, the Zeus star people in the Mounting Yard, all the big breeders and McAvoy sort of giggling saying, I'm oh, sorry, guys, you know, <laughs> I've spoiled the party. Um, hey, guys, what's your opinion?
1: If they ran Fangirl in the 2000 metres, would she have won given the race show?
4: Um, oh, you'd ha- I think she would have gone pretty say uh, Tissue winning the way that she did, I would have thought she'd go, yeah, pretty close. Um, it was interesting that he went back to the mall, wasn't it, for Chris Waller? But he might have felt that he had a really good representation there with with the tissue. I'm still not I'm still not sure what her best trip is fangirl. I'm not sure if like the Cox plate was, was obviously a hard one to gauge. Um, she's pretty good over a mile, mm. so okay. it's an interesting one. Um Stevie Arnold's nickname's chicken. Just asked Kara McAvoy.
1: Chicken legs, I would imagine. Well, we might ask him. He's done an outstanding job on RSN throughout the spring.
0: Yeah, he has been really, really, really good. Really good. If
1: you compare the big V photo of the two mats Matt Stewart, Matt Nevitt. They're the same height, but the cranium sizes are vastly different.
0: Yes. Well, this is great. (laughs) Uh, Any more head jokes for Matt? Just let us know. I'm having a lot of fun with it. Uh,
1: Just quickly, too. um, The wash-up of the Spring Carnival, it was a big day in the stewards' room. So, Damien Oliver, his farewell, I'll talk more about after 10 o'clock. But he actually copped a suspension. He's got eight meetings out of the Champion Stakes, 19th of November to the 26th, which means he'll miss the railway over in Perth, which is... Disappointing for Ollie. McAvoy got 10 meetings. Uh, Jamie Spencer got eight meetings as well. But and the a free ride to the airport. <laughs> <laughs> the big one, though, was was Blake Shin. He got a, a whip suspension on, uh, I think it was Thursday. He then copped a careless riding suspension and another whip suspension on Saturday, a $20,000 fine. And he does get to ride Cua Volante in the Thousand Guineas, which is the favourite this week. He starts his suspension after then, and then he's off until the 16th of December.
4: And so he,
0: he's spent a lot of time on the sidelines in the park. I know he was, and uh, the noose uh, is getting Jockey. tighter too. We, mm. we spoke to Montgomery again yesterday, the Chief Steward, and he said that the more they do it, it's going to the penalties are going to get higher and higher mm-hmm. and higher. So, yeah, the, the, the repeat offenders are going to cop bigger and bigger whacks. All right, we'll take a quick break
1: until for the 10 they reform o'clock.
0: themselves, Hutchie. Mm. News? Well, you're a reformed offender. Well, the late great Patrick Smith had a lot to say about the whip, and Talk we'll do about that it after this. Yes, exactly what exactly. I was about to say. Michael.
1: Excellent. So, <laughs> <laughs> all that's still to come on <laughs> 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 racing pulse and the verdict. Ready for the cool
3: more. Racing now. The leader, Osmosis, with 50 meters to go. Osmosis is clear, and we'll take it out. First thing I've got to say. I oh, love you, Andrea! Riff Rocket took the front, it's just in front. Riff Rocket from Sunset to Puglia. Riff Rocket, Apulia's coming at it. Riff Rocket, Apulia, a hit-bobber! Hit-bobber, a photo finish! Riff Rocket will just win. The Empire Rose and the front runner. Pride of Jenny is seven lengths in front. She's three lengths, a tissue two and a half. Two lengths. Has she held on Pride of Jenny? You've got to have a jockey that's brave enough to do that, yeah. and and an owner. It's without a fight, 100 metres to go, two or three lengths in front, coming away from Shiraz and also Solcombe. Without a fight, Mark Zara, a Melbourne Cup champion, wins it by two lengths. He just pulled me all the way to the line, and uh, it was all over, and I stood up in the eyes, giving the two fingers, the two winners, I don't know what I was thinking him But it's him.
2: Dream come true, riding a horse like her.
3: But it's a tissue. J Mac again, a tissue win. It's um, it's a pleasure to be ordinary. near These four days are magnificent. I love it so much. Yeah. Prone of Jenny, this has been spectacular, and Prone of Jenny won again. Ray Magderio with 100 metres to go clear. Ray Magderio punched out and is going to win race number 37 of the week and won it by two lengths. Second Prairie Flower, photo third.
1: So there we go, 37 races over the four days of the Magical Melbourne Cup Carnival, and it was tough to find a winner, um, but I think the highlights. It, it always is, though. It always isn't is, it? yeah.
4: It's not meant to be. It's like warnable. You're not supposed to come out scathed. No, and, and then you know it's a it's a meeting where there's you know ten dollar chances that yep. you can make a good case for. Yeah. And I I thought uh, I thought the form held up pretty. I, I, I wasn't looking at a lot of winners going. Well, how did you win? No, that's a fair point. That's a
1: fair point. I obviously the big races they stand out, but I, I thought the the great storyline and a thread throughout was Ollie. As well. You know, he kicked off with a double on Derby Day. He had another winner on Melbourne Cup Day. He ran second in his final Group 1 ride at Flemington on Dewis. And it was good to see him getting good rides and being, I suppose, uh, well-remembered as the jockey who was the most successful over Cup Week, not just sitting on the sidelines. Yeah,
4: you don't want a name like that with his record... To bow out during Cup Week without a winner, and yep. he did better than that. So I thought it was fantastic. Just on that other note, though, um, outside of Volley, like what is great about this week, and what was I think a real highlight this year was the spread of winners. I mm. mean, it, that is how it should be. You know, they've got we've got big stables in both states that have a lot of horses, and it wasn't like that they were dominating in any way, shape, or form. This was an even spread. Riding ranks and training ranks, and I think that is a real plus of the
1: 37 races. I think roughly 23 24 different trainers yep. had winners, which is exactly how you want to see. Mm-hmm. It.
0: And including, um, oh, Svet- Svetlana, yes, um, yes. sorry, I forgot to sign up from Cranbourne, who just goes to show you even Royal Ascot can do that a bit too. You can Tad- get a Tedetska, so, yep. yeah, yeah, you can get a. Even at Royal Ascot, you can get a little player who who comes in and uh, and and has a good you know like has a little part to play as well. So, yeah, I, look, I can totally concur. I I think the, the the superstar jockeys who are all in that photo was was a really big thing, and the the images of Ollie with champagne spray is very hutchy moment. Champagne <laughs> everywhere. Um, I think that was the perfect. I wouldn't send-off. be spraying it around. Yeah, I can exactly. <laughs> You'd know, um, have the buckets the- under the tarp. To yeah, no, it was
4: it was fantastic, and um, well, he's. I mean, his record in, in cup week, how many did he end up with in, 88. in 88? It's yeah. incredible. Yeah. It's a bit of a and like
0: Frankie Dottorio. I, I thought what
4: story. he said was really interesting and quite poignant as well, in terms of what he's proudest of isn't necessarily even the number. It's more so he's done it over, you know, that many decades. A well, cup in each deck, three different decades. So, you know, he's been, it shows how good you are, I think, with that longevity. That's a key component mm. to any real star.
0: Yeah, exactly. It, and, and I think the – it didn't matter to me that Frankie – it didn't overwhelmingly matter to me that Frankie didn't ride, but for, for Frankie and Ollie – for Frankie to be here for Ollie's last week, I think, brought the best of the North and the yeah. South together globally. And It almost worked
1: better because he yeah. was freed up to do a lot more um, – media, a lot more coverage and I don't know if you boys saw the piece that he did with Ollie um, where they went for a walk down the famous uh, Patterson uh, Avenue as it's now Mm. known and it's Frankie and Ollie just talking casually about what the Cup Week Carnival has meant to them over the years And, and, and Frankie's such a superstar. He did that better than a lot of Professional broadcasters would be able to do the way he was able to extricate Ollie and help him open up about all their memories together. It was a brilliant piece. It's on um,
0: the VRC's Twitter handle and website. If you haven't seen it, you've got to go and have a mm. look at it. No, definitely. So just thought, it just had a nice feel to it, didn't it? That Frankie was here for Ollie, and um, yeah. you know, and Ollie um, took it all in with Frankie as well. And there were some good photos of Frankie with Mark Zara. So I, I think he was a bit of a linchpin because he he's is the Frankie's swan song season is the biggest racing story for a long time and and it sort of flooded into what we were doing as well and I think that really lifted things a bit.
4: Yep, Mm. and outside of that, I think in the years to come, that ride from Zara will Mm. go down as all time. I mean, I think Glenn Boss's, was it third Maccabi Diva? was exceptional, but I think this is every bit as good if not better and we will look back at this and go, well, what a ride that was.
0: And (laughs) and he and... Um, Opie Bossen have something in common where they can put it on the shelf as soon as they walk off the track, like Buckets was telling telling us that Zara probably hasn't even got a racing channel at home, he doesn't talk about it at all the only time he ever spoke to his wife about any horse ever that Buckets knew about was that Zara told him was when he rode without a fight in Brisbane and it pulled his arms out and still won, he said that's a really special horse and other than that Mark Zara just puts it in the pigeonhole as soon as he gets off the horse doesn't think about it switches on when he comes in and opie was instead of celebrating a crown he was literally fishing with the kids yeah. the next morning so there's something in that that the, the absolute superstars can park it as well as just what is zach and, and joe and, like well, in, and life in,
4: balance Well, yeah. you get i mean i think we speak about it a lot now don't we with all the racing that we have and if the the top ones are taking those breaks mm. there has to be something in it and it has to Keep you mentally fresh more than anything else. I think the grind can can probably take its toll.
0: It takes a special person to be able to switch off and then switch back on again, though, doesn't it? A lot of them have to be in the vibe the whole time mm. to stay to stay in the vibe on the, on the big stage at the biggest mm. moments. Glenn Boss told a funny story because he had been
1: advising uh, Mark Zara, and he was one that basically said, "Hey, mate, you want to be on without a fight, not goal trip," and he gave him a lot of, um, I suppose, background information as well. And Anthony Friedman apparently said to Mark Zara the night before the Melbourne Cup, he said, I just want you to ride it like Bossy did Maccabi Diva in the third Melbourne Cup. Really? And Mark Zara said, <laughs> no pressure. One problem is I'm not riding Maccabi Diva. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and he pulled it off perfectly. He yeah. did, and he, he let it all unfold. and he's just a rela- The relaxed dudes tend to tend to be the best riders, I reckon. Just on a side note to all that, with the Caulfield Cup one in the
4: last couple of years, I haven't sort of issued that penalty that they normally may have some years ago we're going to see a resurgence in that race in terms of that traditional lead up because when they're not copying that penalty that they may have and it's shown that it well he's shown this year without a fight that he could do it is it going to help the Caulfield Cup going forward
1: well I'll put it to Dave Hagan when he comes in because there has been a bit of I suppose talk from back in the day you'd get a lowly handicapped low-rated horse, because of the weight spread, that could win a Melbourne Cup and compete. The last few years, it's become the quality at the top of the weights, which are too good. Mm.
0: It's a re- really interesting thing, so that'll be a discussion Because well, the Caulfield Cup was the one that was waning, I reckon, and it had for years and years, so the MRC are pretty ego-driven, those guys, they don't like to see their race well, and we had 1-2 from the race this year. Yeah, yeah. So it, it maybe... gold goal may- trip last year ran second, just beaten ahead. Mm. And I think prior to that, um, very, very elegant, elegant came and, through. And so, uh, Anthony Van Dyke. But it has it had a, it had flatlined, and they were concerned. I remember when Mike Simons were there. That, that's why they were talking about making it wait for age, because they were so worried about its sunken status. So, yeah, it, it's important that the Caulfield Cup Returns to some level because it's one of the big three. I'm keen to see how this Saturday works.
1: Um, obviously, this is the extension. We get to see the one and a half million dollar thousand guineas. We get Gut to see. Feel. Um, I think the the guineas will hold up. I think the Rupert Clark might be a bit thin compared to where the quality of a Rupert Clark would have been earlier in the spring carnival. Because um, a lot of those horses, I think I spoke to you earlier this morning, saying a horse like Pinstripe was a Almost a victim of his own success by winning that fee, and because then they were almost obliged to go to the Cox Plate, and he's not a two thousand meter horse against the best two thousand meter mm-hmm. horses, but 14, 1600, he could have won another big race or performed really well in these types. Well, um, these will run magic
0: an, time Buenas Natches, I Golden Mile Munamek, Nuggets skew if if they. If, well, I hope Buenos Nachos. Sh- uh, I hope he backs up. You probably don't. Yeah. Uh, well, but,
5: <laughs>
4: <laughs> it's an interesting in terms of also. I mean. I, there's been a plan to try and increase the engagement, with you know, for that mm. bit longer. Will yeah. that
0: will that occur? Well, the
1: Herald Sun didn't come to the party. Uh, it's uh, back page of the footy on the Monday <laughs> after Melbourne
0: Cup. <laughs> they had a massive wraparound yesterday yeah. for, for next week. Uh, yeah, because as you say, Hutchy, the the, the 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 measures of of it are not ex- not really how strong the fields are. That's an element of it. It's mm. about ongoing, crowd. 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 Crowds turn ongoing engagement yep. crowd gate um eyeballs all those sort of things wagering and all that sort of stuff that's that's how the Matt Welshers and Andrew Jones are going to assess it as if I got a feeling it might come off a bit cuz the weather pattern's going to continue it's it's next week it's not 2 weeks away yep. It's sort of I think it'll probably I hope I hope it does cuz mm. we haven't got
1: the confirmed numbers but the indicators are that I think everyone was pretty happy with the turnover re-Melbourne Cup week. Yeah. Um, that'll be, I suppose, revealed
4: mid-week. Well, and, and going into the spring, you know, just in terms of... I mean, you, they would have been delighted with Cup week. And, and But there is also, from that same segment, I suppose, the perception that at the end of Cup week, that's your spring. And, and they're obviously trying to change that perception. So I just felt it was and an interesting point this week. And
0: it goes back to seven week. next week. So I think even... Andrew was talking about this morning as well. There seems to be a lot of disquiet about uh, it almost inevitably going to nine, the cup cup weight coverage, as opposed to accepting the fact that Sydney's there, accepting the fact that it's probably now we've got to the stage where it's a shared stage on the same network. with all due respect to ten, I don't think that worked. Um, you did might you watch say, any of the coverage? I watched a bit of it. I didn't think it was very good. Yeah. I don't think. I think the overwhelming view was, a, was wasn't very good. I'll oh, um, see, I mean, I, I'm a little biased because I'm there. I don't think you could.
1: It's a, a it's a product not for general racing people. So, like, if I was watching at home, I don't watch seven because i have probably watch. But those, I think my those, point racing. is, it was on a different channel.
0: You know, I think what we need. I think the overwhelming view is we need to shore things up a bit. And and but it's and, not going to happen. No, I know, but I think because that's the great frustration.
1: Racing New South
0: Wales and the VRC don't want to share a stage on those big days. Well, then we're going to have another. The, the the viewing public issue of the big carnivals is going to be compromised again because they should be under. What's the sun. wrong
1: with watching it on on dot com and or watching it on
0: another channel and flicking across for your Sydney race? Because you're flicking across. Well, there was a the story came out where the Herald Sun actually blamed Channel Seven for not alerting their viewers that the Melbourne Cup was on Channel Ten. Um, a lot of people are watching Channel Seven because it is the built-in mindset. Is that Macavini and Channel Seven means horse racing in spring? A lot of people were dragged away from cup week coverage because they're watching channel 7 with the a tenth as good races in Sydney because they think 7 represents racing in spring because it does before and after cup week so i think regardless of whether it's a problem that can't be solved because of what you just said well i think it's it's still a, a great annoyance commercial for a lot
1: of situation so mm. the vrc will make more money out of having... But we don't care about that. They're sponsored. But but you're not the one that makes a decision. No, but it, we're the viewing the VRC. public.
0: It's the viewing public.
1: Yeah, but you've got to understand from their commercial... Oh, perfect yeah. world. We would have Melbourne-Sydney mm. races every Saturday on mm.
0: Racing.com. Mm. It wouldn't be split. Well, when so, they choose nine, the the general viewing public, the punting public, are going to be overwhelmingly disappointed. Yeah, that may well be the case. Well, well that has to be some consideration. But don't you think it's for the
1: people that the show on it's about where they can get the most money
0: well if
4: but if that is it a surprise yeah. it's gone this long and there hasn't been something that's come Would there
0: be a curveball because everyone every single including rv everyone wants them to go with seven everyone wants them to go with seven so how do they juggle the and I surely there's a, a non come, surely there's a long term dollars. yeah but surely if if it's an overwhelmingly more successful viewing experience and the, the eyeballs are up and the wagering in it, in the medium to long term, doesn't it make it a better commercial decision anyway outside of the original dollars that they're going to get? Well, I, I'm not privy to any of the internal dealings, but I would imagine
1: that all three networks would have tendered. Well, they they did tender. So, And 7 in the end walked away because they weren't happy. Channel 10 walked away because they weren't happy with the process. And that left Channel 9 at this stage. Now, I don't know whether... So at the end of the day, whoever wants to stump up the most cash, you would think would be the one that sits in the, the box seat. But I don't think the commercial
0: networks are actually willing to pay much money for the television rights of, of racing. What will happen to dot-com if it goes to nine? Dot-com's ability to cover? That is a good question. Mm. I don't know. Well, I but I think one of you'll the... you find that
1: they're not allowed to. Well, I think that's maybe one of the reasons why negotiations have taken so long. So that there used to be, when Channel 7 had the Melbourne Cup Carnival, because I was working on that coverage at that time, that dot .com weren't allowed to show the races. Um, it was on delay. So <laughs> Channel 10, when they took over, they allowed Racing.com to show the races in real time. So it'll be interesting to see what the next uh, rights negotiation will And I includes. think
0: what 7 proved is... You need a bit of pedigree to pull it off. Even though, as you say, you you got a lot of considerations. You have got the, the promotion of the other shows and the marquees and all that. Seven seem to be able to handle. Like nine's well, going to come in green again because the they thing is, done it for seven built their
4: brand is so closely yeah. the associated stuff, with the stuff racing. they, they do doing in racing. social media is
1: outstanding. Well, thirty so odd nine, weeks a
4: year, they're they're in racing, so they uh, you can uh, you can understand almost why you know the. Person who flicks on the races once or twice a year, or <laughs> associates with seven, because more often than not they are on that channel. and They do a fantastic job. So mm. look, there are a lot of moving parts to this whole discussion. Mm. It's very messy, and because um, the, the, the VRC, the really. VRC
1: are the only race club that controls their own media rights. The rest of the metropolitan clubs, country racing, New South Wales, uh, country racing Victoria, the rights are controlled by Racing Victoria. So. And I can understand why the VRC have done that because their major revenue source or one of their main revenue sources is through their media rights because, to be honest, outside of the racing bubble, there is no monetary um, value on the rights of racing outside of Melbourne Cup Week. No commercial network is really wanting to pay money to cover any other racing. So they hold that very closely and that's why Matt... They're going for their biggest dollar, bigger biggest return. Yeah. Instead, but of I also understand
4: Matt's point, and I think it's basically this: that you've got to think of the long term game as mm. a as a whole, and we've got to be on the same it's page. The ten well, decision
0: was well, all about, oh my god, all this money, but it's hasn't been well received. Most people would say that you would think that the rights should all be held by Racing Victoria.
1: Yes. Oh. Yeah.
0: Well, anyway, it makes when, it, it, it makes that announcement's easier. coming this week, isn't it? There's I been, think so. Well, I there's been an announcement so.
1: coming for the last three months. But yeah, well,
0: I, th- it I think it's now away. this week. Speaking of what's happening, Jamie Carr's hearings next Monday. By the way, gee, that's been um, back of mind, have not it? I-, I forgot about that. So, mm. oh, what's your gut feel? Don't know. No idea. I don't know how they're going to view it.
4: Yeah, no, no real thoughts on it. Um, I hope it's there...
0: not. A, I hope it, she doesn't get time. I hope it's monetary. Um, or,
4: I would think I would think that if I was going to take a guess, she'd get a, um, a fine.
0: Hope so. I hope it's not just when she's found form. Look at look at the, look at the the stops and goes in the last two years of her career. Like every time there's a go, there's a freaking wall there. You know, that's not a bad word, is it? I can get away with ball. that one. You wall. You wall. <laughs> um, um, hey, to Patrick Smith. Yes, I just I want to, to talk about you um, worked a lot with Patrick over yeah, the years. Just a. Just a shocking loss. I was talking to Andrew Rule about it today, and he's going to join us on Cracking the Codes a bit later to put a bit of um, perspective to Patrick Smith's contribution to the co- world of coverage of sport. He would cover US Opens, uh, tennis, golf, Tiger Woods. There was every great sportsman that's been around for the last 20 years, he had a particularly interesting take on on them through how wonderfully he wrote. He used to appear on Here Occasionally and then on SEN. Dr Turf and I were just talking about it in the other... It's amazing how these things happen. We're having a chat on the phone. I said, what's happened to Patrick? He said, oh, not well. But then he's had a a heart attack yesterday and he's died. How old was he? 71. Mm -hmm. And we were saying how racing... When he dropped into racing for a few weeks every year, it was the best coverage because he covered the sport from outside the bubble. And he was perceived by a lot of people in racing... People used to get nervous when the carnival came around they'd say Patrick lurching around. He was this giant bloke thinking, oh, what's he going to say about us? And what perspective is he going to have? And a lot of the time it was really heavy. Um, well, he's very strong on the whips? Well, his great analogy about the whip, which, it, it, again, was putting racing in a perspective from outside the bubble. He said, I can't remember whether I was talking to him about this or whether he wrote this or both. You can whip an animal in a racetrack, but as soon as you walk outside the racetrack, if you whip a dog, you're going to get set upon by... So just this taking a step away from the fact that we call them racehorses and they're to be whipped and to get the money for the punters and all that sort of stuff, he, he just drew it right back to a man and you know, animal and human type thing. And I'm not sure it completely, the analogy worked with everyone, but that's the sort of perspective he bought. He was brutal at times, wrote beautifully, Um and I think this what's going on in racing at the moment with a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes, and that he always had an ear to that sort of stuff. To it, I'd love to have read Patrick Smith this spring because he would have gone where others feared to tread, and it would have been interesting. But a terrible loss, and Huxley's gone, um, Ray Huxley, Patrick Smith. So, yeah, we're 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 really putting to bed the the great era of well, before of, that of that level of coverage.
1: Um Carl, uh, Les uh as well. Les and as Les well. as well. Yeah, absolutely. So mm. there's probably not a uh, another writer of that ilk at the moment in racing uh, that goes across multiple sports. Mm.
0: No, exactly right. So, and the, back in America, Hutchie, back in the day, you know when there was an Ali Foreman or something like yeah. that, they'd send Norman Mailer. You know, like when the really, really big events were on in America or George Plimpton or someone like that, you, you didn't get us. <laughs> you got the heavyweights <laughs> coming in, you know. So um, that's what we're going to miss with Patrick was uh, every spring. You you couldn't wait to get the, the the Monday Australian or years before that the Oz and with Les as well. You just wanted to sit there. Or Trevor Grant was another one. You wanted to go, right, What? Did, how did they see it? I know how I saw it, but how did they see it? So... Yeah, no, shocking shocking news about Patrick, for sure.
1: Yeah. Um, uh, terribly sad news there. Archie, what's um, the state with Hugh Bowman at the
4: moment with that fall in Hong Kong? Yeah, he was very lucky. Um, a horse went a amiss, um, and I didn't see what the fate, unfortunately, for the horse was. But, um, look, the Hugh had a fall in the home straight on Saturday, actually. The races were. one of uh, John Sizer's runners. Unfortunately, he has injured himself, um, and quite seriously. He's got a fractured scapula and a few uh, little fractures, I think, a little further down his back. So seven to ten weeks is the prognosis, I'm being told. Gene, he started the season so well. Oh, he'd been flying. And he'd just come off a five-meeting suspension. I think he got suspended in Hong Kong. He was suspended in Australia when he came down. a meeting he's riding exceptionally well well he's he is a class rider there's no question and yeah he was just on his way back and first day back in the saddle unfortunately uh he's had that injury but what's going on with harry bentley
0: oh we're talking to tommy wood tommy w yeah on our regular crosses and there's this mystery about this charge against harry bentley mystery is a good word um i have no idea um they've
4: kept it all sort of pretty close. If For those who don't know, there's an ongoing inquiry into Harry Bentley and it sounds like they're going to potentially charge him with something today, but they haven't released any information, Matt. So, Have they,
1: so they haven't said uh, about
0: what horses or... No. Or, I wonder whether it might be a bit... Because there's a lot of rumours around off-track associations or something. Yeah, that something. Tends to le- be the probably the, be know, around something
4: yeah, on those yeah, lines. But yeah. it normally doesn't take this long either. Normally ah. it's a sort of open and shut thing and uh, this is sort of dragged on um for a few three or four different days so it's been
1: uh, it quite interesting different. one
0: yeah
1: just uh, while you're talking about Hugh Bowman um really sad situation unfolding over in Britain as well there's a, a jump shocky over there Graham Lee who had a fall on the flat on Friday evening and he remains in intensive care with what they are saying is very serious injuries. Um, he's got a respirator, and there's a, an article um, on the Racing Post, and it it paints uh, it doesn't paint a very good picture, saying that there is severe um, spinal damage um, and damage to the spinal cord. So, um, yeah, it's big news over in the UK. It's terrible to hear about that with mm-hmm. a, a jockey, Graham Lee. There, on a on a brighter note, it was very good to see. Michael Rod returned to the winners' list uh, late. I think it might have been Friday as well last weekend up in Queensland. Who He's had the concussion situation where he was out for ages. We might try and get him on to have a chat tomorrow. But, you know, there's been a lot of talk about Jamie Carr's return and the um, injury that she had. Well... Baron Vorster still hasn't come mm. back. We know mm. the the sad situation with Dwayne Dunn and Michael Walker curtailing their careers, and Michael Rod had a long way to come back yeah. with a similar type of injury.
0: Well, there was a similar an airlift. Uh, a, 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 an elderly woman was airlifted from the the Wollumai races about two years ago, uh, all beaten up after a race fall, and that elderly woman, uh, Debbie Waymouth, rode a winner at uh, Did she Bal- Balnarring on Saturday at eight dollars fifty wow. for her daughter Beck. She doesn't give her age away, but 7-0 is looming large in the next year or so. it's so. just incredible. Yeah, unbelievable. Um, oh, mm.
4: been, it's gut-wrenching every time you hear these stories, whether it's local, international, it doesn't matter. I think it affects everybody in the industry, doesn't it? And you just continue to go back and realise how brave they all are. And uh, Some of those jockey cam
1: um, images over the past four days where. You see them taking this ni- uh, needle eye opening. None of us could ever really, um, I suppose, contemplate with any great insight because we never sat
4: on a racehorse. Well, a race. um, and for those who don't know, with the Hugh Bowman one, the the it was in the home straight, but it was it wasn't interference or mm-hmm. anything. The horse just seemed you to know, either put a foot wrong or go and miss. And
0: another jock came down as well, but was okay. Two, yes, two jocks Keith Young,
4: who's had a. One of the the 12 months from hell, really, it, if if something could have gone wrong, it's gone wrong for him. He's had multiple falls and a little bit like what happened on the weekend. He was just sort of mm. following here like it was nothing to do with him. But um, he came down and, um, yeah, it's uh, it's a part of the sport that we don't like to see.
1: Now, Hutch, um, we love your time, your input, your analysis, but we also need some tips. And there's a few SMSs to get... The good oil on Munemek going around. Oh no! On well, Saturday.
4: well, look, very happy. We we're happy with him going first up, and he was obviously a, a, was going to be nearly the ride of the carnival. Don't worry oh. about Mark Zara if Blake Shin had got up on it. Uh, I can assure you, it was a fantastic effort from a wide gate. But apparently, he's pulled up really well. Runs this weekend, and we'll be. Um, I'm not sure what weight we're going to get. I I'm just trying to find uh, find that out. But by all accounts, Rick, uh, sorry, Nick Ryan's really happy with him, and. Uh, all systems go. He'll run. He'll. i would be hoping he runs top three, and with a bit of luck, we can win it. In the Rupert Clark, yeah. Fingers crossed for a good gate. Yeah, you certainly need that. There's good speed in the race. It's going to be a big field by the look of it. So uh, that won't worry me. He loves Caulfield, so we're. we're oh, he's just so honest as well. Like I, think it's a right kind of race for him in terms of a handicap. He's not. He's not that level, but he's honest, and you know, he's um, he's going to run his race. Does the timing of that springboard
0: nicely into the say a winter bottom? Not that he might be quite a winter well, horse, but.
4: We'll yeah. probably head to Perth. Yeah. Um, yeah. We're going go to go uh, to Perth. I think there's a Gold Rush race yep, on over there. Yep, so.
0: Yep. Um, that's the Ollie that, farewell. The Dolly, that, that, that is yeah. the plan. All right. Beautiful. Maybe, maybe you should book Ollie. Me and you, Budgie Smugglers, Cottesloe, <laughs> early morning dip. Yeah,
4: well, you can go. Um, yeah. yeah. Mm. You were just talking about not swimming in certain places in Australia already. No,
0: I've done the Perth. I've. I've yeah, no, Jeez, I've, I've tell mastered me, that The sharks would be lining up if they saw yeah, Matty wandering, yeah, wandering into the, yeah, into yeah, the water, you With know, that they? giant yeah. head and all that, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
4: <laughs> I'm pretty big myself, but I reckon you'd look yeah, a better meal, just yeah, quietly.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, all right, on. I'm going to go and do some prep for something uh, what's, else. What's coming up a little later on cracking the codes? Uh, good. Always a good question. Um, Andrew Rule's going to come on and extrapolate on what I said about the late, great Patrick Smith um, and plenty of uh, – we had the Top Gun – uh, all sorts of things happening in greyhound racing and harness racing carnivals. It was, it was nice know. to see the greyhound racing on .com the other night. Actually, it's great. On Saturday night. I thought it's, it was fantastic. I think it's
1: five weeks, isn't it? It's, yeah, it's absolutely I perfect. It.
0: It's I think it's bumped the Inter Dominion too. The, the Inter Dominion final and the Phoenix are on the same night, and I think I don't think the Inter dominions on .com is it? Okay, I, that I don't know. Yeah. Uh, gents, uh, well done over Cup Week. It's a, a marathon. You've done well done a to a you too, job.
4: Michael.
1: <laughs> uh, we keep rolling through because the spring's not over. So we look forward to Group 1 action in Mudamek in the Rupert Clark. Jericho's and looming. you coming down,
4: Um I think I'll be away that week. Is that right? Yes. It's, it's another great It is concept, warnable, though. one of your hotspots. Well, no, it's in December, right? What date in December it's is fifth it? 5th or 6th?
0: Yeah, no, I'll be uh, in You're Hong, Hong, Hong You're Kong. You're a HK man? Hong Kong. Anyway, we'll be, we'll be there in with bells on. All right, no worries, gents.